Well, good morning, LifeHouse family. How's everyone doing? So good to see everybody here. We're going to try to get this mic figured out, and if we can't, I will be using this one. So just, just a heads up there. Hey, uh, a couple things before we get started today. Life Track Step 1 is right after service today in this theater. Life Track Step 1 is simply uh, the first step in a three-step process to find out about LifeHouse. And step, step, step 1 is, is full of our strategy, vision, structure, um, story, answer any questions that you have. So, so we would love if you are brand, brand new or somewhat, or somewhat new to LifeHouse and you have not gone through Life, through life Track, step one is right after church today. So we, would, so we would absolutely love for you to come and be a part of, of that lunch and child care is, is provided. Also, right after service today, we are... We are having a parent meeting for any parents of teenagers. We're actually starting a brand new youth ministry, LifeHouse Newport News Youth, 6th through 12th graders, is going to be launching uh, next weekend. It's going to be Sunday night starting at 5, 5 to 6 p.m., and so our youth pastor, Christian Sinan, is going to be having a parents meeting quickly right after church in Theater 11. So if you have got teenagers and want more information about LifeHouse Newport News Youth, right after service, you can also grab pizza also, and, uh, and, and, there, will be child, child, and, and there will be child care available for that also. Just go ahead and, and join Pastor Christian in Theater 11, and he will get you guys hooked up with information about LifeHouse Newport News Youth. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I made it. And uh, I survived, but uh, man, I am passionate for, for, for youth ministry. We believe youth are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of right now. And, and so we want them to get plugged in and have a, and, and, and have a safe and comfortable place where, the, where they can learn about God and grow, and, and grow in their faith with, with people their own age group. All right, so we're at the Church Theater 11, hang out with Pastor Christian there. Today, we're starting a brand new sermon series called Love Songs, called Love Songs. Whenever you walked in, you might have, you might have heard your favorite love song. Um, we had Brian McKnight rolling in back at one, Casey and JoJo, all my life, I pray for someone like you. Nothing, you know, <laughs> confession time, time here. I, I made that playlist, and I found myself going to more mid-90s R&B music, Boys to Men and KC JoJo, 112, all of these things. I'm like, I got to check the lyrics on these because I don't, I don't know if this is going to make the cut uh, when it comes to what would be acceptable for songs walking into church, because some of y'all are like, oh my God, what did you just say in that song? Like, what kind of church is this? I got some craziness going on here. But we are doing a month of love, talking about um, love, love songs, and the concept is basically this. Our culture has got a concept of what love is. And typically it's, it's played radio songs, they write different songs, a bunch of different songs um, that really try to portray, explain, and define what love is. But what we, we see, it is completely contradictory many times to what scripture and to what God describes love 
being ass. And so, and, and so, and, and so we said this. We're going to take the whole month of February, and, and, and we're going to dig in deep and see about this concept of love. And I think we've got a song video. Is that right that we're going to show? Um, yes, no, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. Lacey, is, is, is that a go or no? You, you got about five seconds, and then I'm going to go. Okay, gotcha. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> We're good. We'll bypass it. All right. We'll bypass it. Uh, no. Sorry. All right. Look. So, <laughs> pre-service meeting next time, huh? Make sure we get all the all of these details worked out. Um, basically, right? How many of you heard the song "Perfect" by Ed Sheeran and Beyonce? Come on. Oh, Lord Jesus, I found a love for, I'm not going to sing it for you, I, I want to. There's a couple of lyrics in that song, 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 in that song, the one of them is this, it, it says this here, because we were just kids when we fell in love, not really knowing what it was. And I think it's, it's so funny, love has been around for hundreds, thousands of years, and let's just be honest, like we're still really trying to define what the heck is love? Like, I love the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love tacos. I love Chipotle. I love um, Cinnabons. Hallelujah. Woo. I love my kids. I love my wife. We got so many things that we just use that we just clump this word love into. And really, I just, I just kind of feel that, that like, honestly, if, if we're completely honest, like, a lot of us don't really have a, a real clear concept of what love, love is. Even in these songs, it's like love is someone that's perfect. Love is somebody that, that treats you a certain way or does a certain thing for you. Like, what in the heck is love? Because this is what I know. Many times, love is subjective, your concept of what love is is different than what someone else's concept of love is. You've got, you know, and, and if you've been in church any amount of, of time, they've probably told you to check out Gary Chapman's book, Love Language, the five love languages. And they said you've got a love language of how you accept and receive and give love. But it's like at the same, same time, it's like I, I just kind of feel if you've never read that that book, and you just, you got people out here with these concepts of what love is that is simply subjective to them. Basically, like, whoever meets your need is someone that you're going to love. Like, you've got this idea of what love is because you have needs that got to be met. So you're like, if that person meets them, you, you know, for two days, if someone meets those needs for, like, 20 minutes, if you've seen teenagers, they've not, this is the best, they've never even met. They've just Snapchatted each other a few times. They've just Instagrammed a few times. They've never met. And they're writing, I love you. I guess it's fulfilled the need of talking to somebody that they've met. So it just, it, it, it just propels them to use these words, I love you. But really, if you think about it, apart from God, it's, it, love is going to be subjective. Because there's probably 220-some people in this room here. If I were to go up to each person and you did not, and you did not 
hear someone else's answer, your definition of what love is would probably be different than the 219 people answering. But if you think about apart from God, love is subjective. Why? Because there really is absolutely no baseline. It's kind of just whatever goes. Whatever makes you feel good and whatever thing or person meets that need, you, you love them, right? But just, just track this with me, okay? The world system basically says everything came from just chaos. We just all appeared. We're just all here. Like, this is just random chance. This just happened in over billions and billions of years of us evolving and us kind of just getting to this point where... All of us are on this earth here, and it's kind of like it just happened, right? And, 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 so, and so because this just happened, we are still formulating and creating our lives and ourselves and things like that. So, so basically, we have developed this concept of what we think love is, and really, it is subjective because really, apart from there being no baseline, the, you know what? The only truth that there actually is is relative. So your truth is your truth, and what you think is truth isn't, you know, it, it's all good. It's all relative. Truth is relative. And that's the way we treat love. When there is no baseline, that's where we get messed up. We have no real true definition of what love is, but yet we know we need it. You crave love. You were you crave love, and I don't care how many tattoos you have. I don't care if you got a bald head. I don't care if you're big and bulky. Muscular, and you've got tats. I don't care what kind of front you throw up. I don't care what kind of outward front you throw up. I don't care what you desire love. You need love. Now, it's always funny talking to guys about this concept. Because if you talk to most guys, guys are like, I don't need love. I'm good. I don't need love. And it's, you know, most, now I'm not saying every guy, but most guys. Most guys that I've talked to that don't go to church, you know, what they joke on is, yeah, you know, this one guy, he said, there's a God-sized hole in your heart, and only God can fill it. You know, they're like, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard, a God-sized hole, what, whatever. And what I tell guys is, you might, so I just, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be crass, I'm not trying to be shock jock here, but, but I'm just saying, guys, you might not want love, but you want sex. Yes, I said sex in church. Everyone take a deep breath. It's okay. <laughs> if you need more coffee, go out and get your coffee. If you need a, a defibrillator, we have heavily trained men in this room that will be able to resuscitate you. Okay? You want sex. You have a physical sexual drive that basically what that does is it is the the physical way that you want intimacy, that you want connection. Yes, you might not be all huggy, dovey, lovey, ro romantic, needing flowers and needing chocolates and needing this sort of different, different thing, but you have a sexual need that you want fulfilled. What that simply is, that is your craving to be loved. A uh, 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 famous theologian said it this way. He said this, Bruce Marshall, he said, now this was stated a while back, he said, the, the young man who rings the bell at the brothel is unconsciously looking for God. The young man who rings the bell at the brothel, 
the guy in this room searching out porn, the guy in this room sleeping with people that aren't your wife, what you're looking for ultimately and mostly is the love, is love. You're looking for connection, intimacy. I don't care who you are, you have a God-sized hole in your heart that you deeply desire love. So we don't have a great definition of what love is. Most of the time, love is subjective. We've got this own definition of what love is. We know that we need it. All of us need it in our deep heart, minds, and souls. But we seek a kind of love that is unconditional. We want the person or thing that loves us to love us in spite of our imperfections. We want someone that sees the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that we hide, the stuff that we don't like. We want someone that sees us clearly for who we are, yet still says, I will love you in spite of those imperfections and things that you have. Don't, don't, don't we? We desire that. I don't care if it's a friendship. I don't care if it's a sexual relationship. I don't care if it's a guy, friend, girl, whatever. You desire that. I'm spitting. I'm sorry, front row people. I'll back up a little bit because I can see just the stuff flying out. But you desire that. Like, you desire someone to love you, someone that you can be vulnerable with, and they don't use your vulnerability as ammunition against you. It propels them to love you more. You desire that. Like, you crave that. Like, isn't it true? The environments that we feel we can be the most vulnerable in, that we can show who we really are, those are the ones we gravitate towards. Why? Because we feel loved in spite of our imperfections, in spite of the stuff that we don't want to show everybody. We don't really know what love is. We all got sub subjective definitions. We know we need it. We got this craving for a unconditional love that loves us in spite of our weaknesses. So then what do we end up doing? Many of us go and try to have this deep need for love that loves us in an unconditional basis, and we take this divine burden, this divine need that we have, and then we place it on finite, conditionally loving people. Don't we? We take this God-sized burden that we all have, and we take it and place it on finite, jacked-up, messed-up people that love us, not unconditionally many times, that love us conditionally. And then what ends up happening is we end up saying things and being part of different relationships that say things like, it just didn't work out. You know, we felt it at the beginning, but we just, we just lost it. Started off good. Now here we are. I just don't feel like we're in love anymore. And really what you're saying is you're concept and your definition of what love it was, that person was not meeting. So, okay, got to find, got to dump that person, get out of that, that, that relationship, you know, gone, by, see ya. Let me go and try to put this divine burden of needing to be loved and needing to be unconditioned love. Let me go and throw that on someone else and see if they'll be able to meet it. And what you see a lot of people doing is going from relationship to relationship, marriage to different marriage, Friendship to friendship because they've got this deep down need in their soul to be loved unconditionally. And they take that godlike burden and place it on finite, 
unconditionally loving people. And what it does, your weight crushes them. Your need to be loved, you, you, you basically take them and make them a functional savior, saying, I'm finding all of who I am in you. I need love, and you need to give me that love. And if you don't give me that love, then and you crush them. And this typically works both, both ways, doesn't it? And what you end up having is you having a lot of broken relationships that we find ourselves in here where it's like marriages are, are succeed under 50% of the time. And I think probably the actual number of marriages that they're happy, not just functionally married, not, not just married by some sort of, of paper, even is significantly smaller. So I think if we find ourselves in this predicament, there's got to be a solution. And that's where I think God comes in. Yeah, this guy named God, Jesus, he has a few things to say about this. Um, and I think we need to, to actually start with this concept of God. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 tells us this, that God is love. And from a Christian viewpoint, a biblical viewpoint, we believe that God created love because God is love. And since God created love and he's the one that kind of did the whole concept of it, he is the one that we need to go to him and be like, yo, I'm jacked up, messed up. I love people conditionally. What do you got to say about this whole love thing since you created it? First John 4, 8 says God is love. And the particular Greek word that Paul that the Paul used here is the word agape. And you've grown up in church any amount of time, you know that, that, that word agape literally, literally means an unconditional, present, and perfect love. So God is a loving, unconditionally, present, and perfect love. And then we all know 1 Corinthians cha chapter, chap 1 Corinthians chapter what? 13, right? Is the love chapter. Read at weddings. A lot of different weddings, right? People come to the come to the altar, and they come there with the purpose of um, joining together for a lifetime of taking a vow between, or or taking a vow to God and to each other, saying, "I'm going to love you till death do us part." Essentially, saying, "I'm going to love you with an agape love. I'm going to love you not with a conditional love, but with an unconditional love." But 1 Corinthians 13 is typically read, and we're going to actually check it out right, right, right now. It says this. We're, we're going to start in verse number 4, and this is the New, the, new, the new Living Translation. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. I'm a really terrible person then. No. Uh, and it never keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, when I read that, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm, I'm really screwed. Like, I don't... I feel like I'm always irritable. Like I'm always irritable. I got three kids, though. It's like a continual state. I can just think of all like this. Just wells up in me all that I'm not, doesn't it? 
Like, it just wells up in me. Like, I don't think about the times where I've been loving. I don't think about the times that I've been patient. I don't think about the times that I've been kind. I don't think about the times that I have, um, I feel like I'm always keeping a record of wrongs. Like, I've always got this list against people that I'm waiting to use against them whenever they try to do something against me. I feel like I don't always hope. I'm, I'm, I'm not always joyful. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm not always hoping for the best. Like, this just draws out in me. It's like whenever I see this definition of what love is, I'm like, man, whoo. Maybe two, like maybe two of them ten I'm decent at. But I think it's, it's important, though, that as we read this, and many of us here feel guilt and shame and, like, we're not enough and we're not good enough that we need to first off see that this isn't the way that we're called to just love people, but this is the way that God loves us. You need to know that this is the way that God loves you. And some of you today, you feel like you are unlovable. You feel like you've done too much. You've said too much. You've done too many things in private. You've done too many stuff that you don't want to let no one know. And you are literally in a house locked in of guilt and shame and condemnation. And literally, you feel like you can't get out. And you've got the mindset of, why in the heck would God ever love me? And my heart and my hope today is that this scripture, this heart that God has, one of being loved, would break down the door of that house that you have, have got yourself in right now. And you would stop running from God's love and realize God isn't scared of your mess. He isn't scared of your past. He isn't scared of your unseen, unspoken, jacked up, messed up self. Why? Because this, this definition here is how God loves us. He's always hopeful. He's loving. He's kind. He's patient. He's, he doesn't boast. He's not envious. He, he rejoices with the truth. And I want to let you know, if you feel that way today, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And Satan wants nothing more than to keep you in that house because his whole goal is to steal from you, kill from you, and destroy you. And he knows if he can keep you in a house of shame and guilt, you'll never find the love that God has that covers your shame and covers your, your guilt and loves you unconditionally. But it starts with you. It begins with God letting his love into your heart. Because typically we all throw up walls, man. Because we've tried to love and we've tried to love people and they've hurt us and they've wounded us. And so we don't want to get vulnerable. But really the only way to actually receive love is to get vulnerable so we, we know what we need to do, but many times we stop doing it because the pain can be too hard. You think, what if I accept God's love, and then I mess up again, and then I get, the, and, and then I get in the same, same stuff? Look, God is patient. Let God's love change you because God's love does change you. And let me tell you how. I talked about, I, I talked about earlier how you've got this God-sized need, this this divine type burden inside of your heart that we try to have people and things fill and whenever it doesn't we demonize them and we say oh you know what this thing or this person did not save 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 me 
Well, when, when you have this divine-sized need met by the divine God, when you say, God, I receive your love, and you take this hole that, that you've got, this, this need that you've got, and you fill it with the one that can actually fill it, like the person that can actually fill that deep need that you've got, what ends up happening? It ends up freeing you to start loving other people, not for what they give you, but because you've been loved by God. The weight, the burden, the, the weight and burden that you put, you take off of finite, jacked up, messed up people, and you put it onto the God that actually created love and show and, and, and showed his love and loves you. You take the, you, you take and put that burden on him, that frees you then to stop using people and start loving people. What if you took this deep need that you have and you stopped trying to use things and people to fill it and you stopped using people to get what you want to fill that definition of love that you have? What if you stopped using people and you said, I'm going to find my deep need met in the God of heaven and earth that actually showed me his love by dying on the cross in my place for for my sins what if i took that love and actually filled my heart with it and what it does it actually fills your heart up and you found your ultimate need for love met in him then that would free you to love your spouse and to love your friends with not a conditional love but within what unconditional love because of the unconditional love that you have received from God. That is the fuel. That is the fire that we all need to love unlovable people. Is being loved by the all-loving God that loves unloving people. Do you get that? And as you take, because here, here's the deal, guys. Like, we've all got this need, like I said, and we try to use people to fill that, whether it's sexually, emotionally. And having a desire for love isn't, it isn't bad. But it's got to be met with the right needs. And God's the only one that can do that. And as you put your trust in him and receive that love, it changes the game. Because if you stop, instead of saying, how can my wife meet my needs, you can say, I've got my need met by God. And then what does that do? It automatically frees you to love your spouse, not demanding your own way, not demanding that your needs be met. What if you had a husband and wife that said, you know, babe, I love you, but I find my ultimate need for love met not in you but in God. And as you get that need met, then you're free to love your spouse and you're free to love her, not just for what you demand. But you say, you know what? You're free to serve her. I tell Kristen all the time, I've got, I've got priorities. I'll tell you what those are. God, God. Then I'm a husband, then I'm a father, and then I am a pastor. And whenever those four things get messed up order-wise, I am in trouble. Because I, I will start... You know, I will start loving the church more than I love Christian. I'll start loving our kids more than I love her. I'll, I'll start putting all those things over, over, over God. 
My first job is I'm called to somebody before I'm called to something. I'm called to God first. And as I find my need, my deep need for love that I have got in my soul, when I find that in him, then that will help me be a better husband. Why? Because I'm not just trying to serve her just to get something from her. I'm serving her out of the love that I've been given from the almighty God. That's a game changer, y'all. That is a game changer because what I see, I don't care how many years you've been married, I see people using other people just to have their needs met. Instead of saying, you know, Jesus said this, I came to serve, not to be served. And because he had his need for love met by his father, and he was free to love us, and we all experienced the benefit of God's love for us. So my challenge to you this morning, 1 John 3. Chapter 16 tells us this. This is the second John 3.16 verse. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So love begins there. How in the heck do we know what love is? Do you know how we know? We look to the cross. And on the cross, we see love shouting at us and screaming at us, saying this, I'm, I love the unlovable. I will take the responsibility of your sin. I will love you in spite of how jacked up you are. I will meet that deep need in your soul for that unconditional love that you crave. But it doesn't just stop there. What, what John says here, yes, this is how we know what, what love is. Jesus laid his life down for us. But then it goes on from there, and it goes on to, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Saying, this love you've been given, give it. This love that loved you in spite of your jacked up, messed up self, love other people in spite of their jacked up, messed, messed up selves. That love that you want to have, that, is, that God gives you, that is unconditional, love other people unconditionally I don't know about you but I don't have that inside of myself I don't I'll tell you that right now that is not something that I can well up by willpower that I can well up by thinking deeply that is something that I can only have by the spirit of God inside of me that reveals to me more about how God loves us and how God loves me and as God reveals that to me, then by his grace, I can love others. I wonder who in your life today you struggle loving. That you are holding deep unforgiveness in your heart. You say things like, I could never forgive them. Do you have any idea what they did? I could never give them love. Here's the truth, guys. Love and trust is different, okay? You can love someone without trusting them. But at the same time, if you stay locked in the room of unforgiveness and, 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 and you don't want to extend the love and grace that you have been given by God, it hinders the flow of love into your heart. So I wonder today who you need to, who you need to forgive. wonder to today who you know what who are who are you struggling to love maybe it is your spouse maybe it is 
your parents. Maybe it's your kids. I don't, I don't know everyone's, everyone's need here, but I know God does. But my simple, my simple message today is if you're ever going to love the way that God loves, you've got to receive the love from the God that gives it. And the way we see love shouted is from the cross. The cross is not something that we just like graduate from. Okay, yeah, Jesus died, died on the cross. Let's move to something more spiritual. I think, we, I think we sometimes treat it that way. The cross is something that we need to continually go, go to. The cross is something that we continually need to go and bow down to. And be like, God, without you, I'm nothing. Without your forgiveness of sins, I'm nothing. God, without your love that you've shown for me, I can't give the love that you've called me to give. I can't just go and live 1 Corinthians 13. I don't have the strength and power. But when you go to the cross, you see 1 Corinthians 13 lived out. And as you see it lived out, it will empower you to live that love. Will you stand with me? going to pray. Jesus, uh, we come before you today. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. God, I pray ultimately today that in each person's heart, a new spirit of love would, would just flow in them. That God, the, the everyone here that feels unlovable, they would feel your love today. Those, those here, God, that um, that need a touch, God. Pray that you fill them. God, because we can't love how you've called us to love in and of ourselves and just with our own willpower. We need you. Just with every about every eye closed, really, really, really quick. I, d- I just want to ask, ask you, you know, like we've been talking about today, it begins with God. It begins with God's love for you shown on the cross and maybe you are here today and you've you've never received that love that God gives like you you know you've possibly been coming to church coming to church and you've heard about this love that God gives but it really begins with a decision to let let God into your life and it begins with it begins with love and the cross is God's sign to you that he loves you, he cares for you. He wants to be God of your life. So, so just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, I want to receive God's love today for the first time. I want, I want to pray today and receive the love of God and receive the new life through Jesus' death on the cross that he gives us. With every head bowed, every, every eye closed, I'm, I'm just going to simply count to you if that's you, shoot your hand up. Just want to know who you are. We're going to pray for you. We're not going to ask you to come down here. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to... We, we just want to know who you are so we can pray for you. Ready? If that's you, I'm going to count to three. Shoot your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? We're, we're, we're going to pray and we're going to join in with those that want to receive Christ today for the first time. And I'm, and I'm just, just going to ask every, everybody here, if you would just join in and pray aloud with us and pray along with those that are saying this prayer today for the first time. Ready? 
everyone pray this. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin and filling that deep need for love that I've got. Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sins and I make you Lord. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Amen. Can we just, Lifehouse, give it up for all those that said that prayer today for the first time? If you did say that, that prayer today for the first, for the first time, on this, this card that you got walking in, right on the back here, it says, my life was changed by Jesus for the first time today. Would you check that box, fill this card out, and take it out to the Next Steps booth? We just want to follow up with you briefly. And, and give you a few next steps on this brand new journey of following Jesus Christ today. Lifehouse family, we're, we're actually right now, we're going to, to participate in a time of communion. If, if, if you need communion, if you need communion elements, if, if you would raise your hand up and one of our, one of our awesome ushers will be sure to get to you quickly and get you those. We, we practice open communion here. You, 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 you know, Lifehouse Church does, does not have to be your home church. We just ask that you be a follower of Jesus, that you participate in communion. And uh, so if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, welcome to the family. Your first communion. Communion really, really is a time for us to remember, ultimately. Paul says, says that multiple times whenever he says, the broken body, the shed blood, whenever you do this act, do this in remembrance of me. Basically saying this, when we, when we have the bread and juice. The bread symbolizes the broken body of Jesus that was broken for us so we could be made whole. The juice, it symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, what we simply do is, is we kind of like say we put our trust in, in, in this. We are building the foundation again on what Jesus did for us. So what we're going to do before we actually eat, we're just going to sing. We're going to have the worship team play. And during this time here, Scripture also tells us this, to, to before we take communion, to examine ourselves, to inwardly look. If there's sin in your life, re repent of it. If there's issues going on, Get those things right. If you've got areas that you're keeping from God, that, that you're holding back from them, take this next song and get that right. God loves you. He sees, he sees your heart. He wants you whole. He wants you healed. I believe, too, if you've got sickness in your, in your body today, God can heal you. God can heal you. His body was broken so you could be made whole. Believe God today for healing. Believe God today 
for wholeness because his love is great and there's nothing too impossible for him. Let's sing Lighthouse.